I'm your host, Alice Chang, and today we are interviewing Dr. Sheree Leslie Udafa, who has her BS in chemistry, her master's in biomedical engineering, her PhD in biomedical engineering from VCU, and is currently an associate at McKinsey based in New Jersey. Thanks for having me, Alice. Of course, Sheree. It's so ha- it's so great to catch up with you uh, because we were in the same lab at Georgia Tech and VCU. So it's nice to see you after all these years. Mm-hmm. You're doing well, and I'm so happy that you decided to do this interview with me. Let's take a step back and talk about chemistry and why you were interested in chemistry in the first place. Oh, sure. So my love for chemistry stemmed from back in my childhood days and um, becoming familiar with a Jamaican chemist who was working on oral based vaccines. And the whole idea here was in other countries where, you know, it may be a little bit difficult to do the traditional vaccine subcutaneously, then you'd be able to just give a drop in the mouth and you know vaccinate a certain population and that to me was pretty interesting so this is like a glucose based um, vaccine I decided I would read a chemistry book that we actually had at home the cover I vividly remember was um, like multiple funnels but like different color liquids coming from the funnels and that, that was just always in my mind so with that As I went to undergrad, I decided to study chemistry and then I was in love with organic chemistry. (laughs) So (laughs) that definitely was a high highlight of uh, my undergrad days. And then I realized that by studying chemistry, although I wouldn't be a doctor, I'd be able to actually have this type of an impact on population by extending lifespans. So that was really the crux of um, studying chemistry in undergrad. And then you decided to go on and get your PhD, but it was in biomedical engineering. So tell me how that happened. Sure. So again, you know, always having a passion for healthcare, I realized that I could have an impact on patients' lives, not just by the bedside with being a doctor, but also influencing whether it's treatment plan or the instrument that's used with the patients. And so that was one of the reasons why I went towards biomedical engineering, because then I could create something that can be later on used in the medical industry. And you ended up at Georgia Tech Emory, right? Yes. So tell me, so, okay, and I, I'm preempting something because I we were in the same lab. So you ended up moving, but tell me, like, what happened at Georgia Tech Emory and then what brought you to VCU? Okay, so I guess I'll take a step back and probably talk about how I even got to Georgia Tech. <laughs> at the time in undergrad in my junior year, junior going on being a senior, I got a letter from Georgia Tech and I was like, hmm, why would they be just inviting me to... Um, their school, you know, I haven't heard of them at that time. Yeah, I hadn't heard of Georgia Tech um, being a Jamaican. They invited me to visit their school and I thought this was some sort of weird school. So I said, you know what? The, the school sounds 
for me let me take it to one of my professors and she said oh no this is actually legit and i said really how would they find how would they find my name how did they get this information i'm like are they going to kidnap me she said no so i actually flew in and you know visited the school and um finished the application and then i got accepted into georgia tech so that was my story into georgia tech in terms of both georgia tech and vcu now i started my phd at Georgia Tech in biomedical engineering and then our advisor decided to move schools but while i was at Georgia Tech you know starting my phd the problem i was solving was not solved by a fellow graduate student and a postdoc and it took me 3 years to crack that problem and so having cracked it and then you know learning of my advisor wanting to switch schools It was very hard for me to remain at Georgia Tech having put in all that work, you know, and then having to start over if I was going to stay at Georgia Tech for a new thesis. Exactly. So I decided to move with my um wonderful advisor to VCU to complete that project um which I'm happy I did and um having gone to VCU You know, I finished most of my coursework in uh biomedical engineering. So I didn't want to repeat that at BCU. So I decided to branch out to chemical engineering and, mm-hmm. you know, learn far more than just biomedical engineering. So tell me what you actually worked on. You said you cracked some sort of problem and then you went on to solve that. Um and if I recall correctly, there was maybe a startup involved as well. Yes, your memory serves you correctly. All right. So, um let's take a step back. The actual problem was alginate, which is a hydrogel, right? To get it to dissolve in the body. And so that was the problem that I was able to dissolve. Now, if we focus on the thesis work, this thesis work focused on creating injectable hydrogels to release adipose derived stem cells for the regeneration of bone and cartilage. So all that means is encapsulating, putting a bunch of stem cells into a hydrogel into like a small ball, right? And controlling the release of those stem cells from this hydrogel ball into the body, which would then help with the regeneration and repair of bone in the case of a fracture or cartilage in the case of lesions, right? So it could be delivered through an injection at the um site that is needed so that could be as a fracture if it's really needed or the lesion so that was the whole idea of um the thesis and then the adipose derived stem cells are really just stem cells from our fat and most people we do have you know a decent amount of those so we thought it'd be good to use those stem cells and push them towards other or the bone lineage or cartilage lineage. Did you work on also commercializing that after you solved that problem? Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> All right. So, you know, once we were able to crack this issue, this problem, there was a startup like you mentioned that came out of um the project. That startup uh name was Frangenics. And yes, I was able to be involved with a bit of the commercialization of it. So we got a patent from or hydrogel delivery system and then from there you know we were able to file additional patents and then explore the ability of this delivery system 
to deliver all other stem cells. So for example, there's a thought that you'll be good in plastic surgeries because there are times where different voids are left in the body and so you could deliver certain types of cells to help with that. So just a little bit of um, other things that it could be used for. So you graduated with your PhD and your master's and chemical engineering, mm-hmm. biomedical engineering. Uh, then you left Virginia, <laughs> I think. Did you? Did you leave yeah. Virginia? Okay. I did. I did leave Virginia and I went to New York, never to return to Virginia. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so tell me about, I mean, I think so. I mean, you're at McKinsey now, but you, there was, you know, a journey to get there. So tell me about like what you did after school, how you transitioned from, you know, the academic environment into your first job. So right after grad school, I got a internship at a startup in Brooklyn and that startup focuses on wound healing Mm. and so um, that was just really something short that I did but very interesting as well it was also surrounding a hydrogel not exactly alginate but very similar to alginate Mm -hmm. and so the whole idea there was you know something that you could extrude on the wound site that would stop bleeding. Okay. So that was pretty interesting. And then after that, I moved on to working with another startup in Western (laughs) Massachusetts. And that company at the time was called Flow Design Sonics. However, it was acquired by Merck. Mm. And um, I also got to witness that whole transition, which was pretty cool. The whole idea at this startup is to help with CAR-T therapy. And so CAR-T therapy is one of the possibly latest therapies approved by FDA for certain types of cancer. And so what it does is that we remove blood from the patient, we get the T cells and we manipulate the surface of the T-cell so that it expresses a car. And that car now is able to identify or help you to identify certain cancer cells and pretty much get rid of them, right? So there's a bit of manipulation done outside the body. And then once you're able to do that re-engineering, you introduce it to the patient's body. When it goes into the patient's body, it's able to get rid of the cancer. And so my focus there was really helping them with labeling the cells and ensuring that once the separation is done, it was a pretty much pure separation. So you wanted to make sure you had like 99.9% of T cells that are expressing the car. And another cool fact about this um, startup company was they were not separating cells by the typical centrifugation process or maybe like a magnet, you know, labeling cells with something kind of magnetic and then using a magnet to separate. They were using acoustic waves. So just all these sound waves that you pretty much probably have heard of before, using the sound waves to um, separate cells, which, which should be a little bit more gentle on the cells. So, so that was- did you, um, Were you just like singing at the cells? No, no, no. So what happens is, no, 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 no. So if my memory serves me correctly, what happens is there is 
two portions. Like, let's say you have two things. There's a, there's, let's say we have a box and there is a source that produces the wave on this side. And then there's like a transducer, and I think a reflector, right? So this transducer sends a wave, like a sinusoidal wave. Mm. And then when it comes on the reflector, it goes back. And so just think of those sine waves overlapping. So what happens mm. is it forms nodes, right and at those nodes the pressure is zero so you're able to trap cells there and so that's how they were able to, to different to pretty much separate cells based on density so again my focus was like you know labeling those cells with various things so that the density would be so much different from unlabeled cells i see okay yeah so that's a little bit about how um they use the acoustic waves to separate cells oh that's cool so you guys were acquired by Merck. So did you actually join Merck or did you leave? And then was that your journey into McKinsey? No. So I actually joined Merck um, because the acquisition occurred before me starting McKinsey. So like I said, that was also interesting to just see and learn about Merck and why they were interested in acquiring a startup company. You know, they wanted to expand their their footprint pretty much into the whole immunotherapy space and they thought that by purchasing a company like flow design sonics with this new technology that they had a good shot of doing that and so i i pretty much was with uh merck maybe just for a few months before joining mckinsey so you worked you know from at academia then you went into industry into like a startup environment but then you went into a corporate scientific environment, like at a huge company, what's the difference? Like what, like, what, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, it's fast paced at a startup or, you know, you're working on bigger problems. Like, what do you think? How is that different from your perspective? So in all honesty, I wouldn't say that I had enough experience at Merck to really do a great comparison, but from what I could see, um, like, you know, touring and just speaking to different people for the little time I had, I would say, one of the main differences for me is that you really get your hands on a lot more at a startup company. And so, you know, for my fellow graduate students out there, if there's something that you wanted to explore, like let's say you're not sure about doing something, but you want to explore a bit, I would say the startup is the place to go because it allows you and it gives you that type of a leverage. So for example, I was interested in business development, right? Um, was I able to do all of their business development at the startup company? No, but um, they were able to let me in to some of you know what was going on and how it's done and probably let me speak here or go to conferences. Whereas at the bigger firm, they probably already have a full-fledged department right. in business development. So they're not going to take one of their scientists now from R&D and place them there. So I would say that was probably one of the biggest differences that I could see so then you made another huge transition. So you're going from, so first of all, you went from academia into industry, a startup into a big pharma. And then you, I wouldn't say you left, well, I'll, you left the bench, I'll say. And now you have entered into management consulting at McKinsey, which is like the top of the top of the management consulting firm. So tell me how that happened. It goes back to our grad school days and being a part of that startup company. So. I realized, yes, as a scientist, you could do pretty, you could do a lot by creating these therapies and um, 
you know, just coming up with different machines or instruments. But it's like a bubble, but it's just a bubble if you work on that. You still need to get, to have the impact you want, you still really need to get that therapy out or that device out. And so typically, it's not the scientist that does that, right? You need your, your, your person on the business side to do that. And so for me, I thought that was rather interesting and I wanted to learn about it. Um, because in the future, I never know. I could be you know, developing my own startup company. So that was really the, the biggest impulse for me. And then having gone into the startup world and I saw what the business development people were able to do compared to the R&D person. So for example, you know, again, the R&D person, sometimes if you're not asking for these other opportunities, you're really just stuck to the bench. Yes. And I wanted, I didn't want to be just stuck to the bench. If it was my work, I wanted to be going out there, presenting it, talking to the different investors, VCs. I wanted to be a part of that decision-making about, you know, what should be the next step for the company with this product? Should we do this? Should we do that? So with that, I thought one of the best ways to get that type of training would be like an MBA on demand, right? So <laughs> I thought going into management consulting was a perfect fit for that. And um, I applied to McKinsey and was successful the second time around. Mm. So um, that's how I made the transition into management consulting. That's that's a great story, and I like how you brought up the point that it it actually took you, took you a second time because it, th- these firms are so hard to get into. And I also went through the process, and sometimes it's just like if you're lucky, and if the case that you got was a good case, or if your interviewer was a good interviewer. And um, I think it's a good point to keep sticking with it if you're interested in something. And oh yeah, you know, definitely be. Because I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but yeah, I believe even on my second time around, as I was about to go in and I started like really the first process, unfortunately, my dad transitioned suddenly oh. and I wanted to push through, but they were really um, understanding and I thought I was stronger than I really was. And so I had to take a pause of a few months before really going back into the whole interview process. So definitely, if it's something you want, I encourage you to um, stick with it and push through. And that's another great point about your mental health and your emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. I think that's starting to be um, uh, more important now. I mean, I don't know if it's important in grad school anymore, but I know a lot of people who went through grad school is this struggle emotionally and mentally um and i think it's now it's like hey it's okay to take care of yourself you should take care of yourself and if you're better mentally you're also better at your job and the other things that you're doing yes definitely definitely a 100 percent. i agree yes <laughs> all right so okay so you're not mckenzie so now so now tell me about it is it great i mean what like what is it like at mckenzie so uh to this day i've only been there yeah let's say for a year Mm -hmm. um and to add to that i've only been there virtually oh that's fair that's that's fair so in terms of the in-person experience of working on teams i really have not um you know gotten that experience but the things you get exposed to the lessons you're able to learn 
I would say that's really, really great. And just the mindset, you know, of how they frame things, how they approach problems and solving it. That is really good. And then you, you just meet quite a bit of people. I remember yes. thinking, going back to my, you know, my initial days and I was like, wow, I won't be able to, you know, grab coffee with people. And I literally was just sending out like random Zoom requests because <laughs> I have to get to know people yeah. and people were really open to you know meeting with me speaking with me and helping me and supporting me through um my journey as I started my tenure there so that's definitely one of the highlights and then now that I'm a new mom um they've been pretty supportive um in my last days which I was a little bit rougher for me all right mm-hmm. since you mentioned it first you are a new mom and yeah and you are in a very highly or you know what's considered a very highly demanding role at McKinsey so um can you I know and and it's COVID so like there's a lot of factors in play here but how did you manage that process and I guess as a woman in business or science you're a first in many things in your area so how are you managing that and how do you think that environment is changing for good or for bad for women we're in the pandemic, right? And there are a lot of articles that have um, been released on the fact that quite a bit of women, you know, having to leave the workforce. I reflected on that and I wondered, you know, whether or not I'd be able to continue with my job and career while being this great mom that I envisioned myself to be. I think it's important, you know, that we we strike that balance as a woman, as a mom, in terms of, you know, supporting our child and our family, and then um, going after the career that you want. And to enable that, you know, you really need support, whether it's paid support, like having a nanny, or whether it's relatives, your family supporting you, because I definitely don't think, you know, as I even think about going back on, into McKinsey that I don't think I'd be able to be successful if I don't have great support. Mm-hmm. So I, I really do think, you know, as you mentioned, mental health um, and being in the best space to perform well, I really do think that as women, we step back, not try to take on everything, um, really get the help that's needed so that you are in the right space to be good for yourself, mm-hmm. for your child, and then, of course, for your job. I have a daughter, so for me, it's also really important to demonstrate, not that I'm the only one that could demonstrate this to her, but I think it's also important to demonstrate to her that, um, you know, she's able to do these things. And so as I'm doing, you know, what I do in my career, I think that'd be a great example for her as she matures and grows up and become the woman that she will become. That's great. I am also super emotional now that I'm a mom, but that was so beautiful. I just, (laughs) I have a son, not a daughter, but I I would totally agree with you if I had a daughter and that's that's so great. And I I love that you think that way. Um, (laughs) All right, so let me, um, let's, move to something less emotional <laughs> on the career side as so I mean you're you are still pretty young in your career but you've done so much and a lot of people think of McKinsey or management consulting as a stepping stone but it could also be a career in itself so mm-hmm. I mean is it too early for you to tell do you are you leaning toward like staying there longer term are you thinking of it more as a stepping stone as well so you know um 
I'd like to say that every phase in life is a stepping stone. So, because you're learning, right? And those lessons that you learn, you're going to use as a platform to propel you to the next phase. So I am not sure how long I'll stay, but definitely it's um, a phase that I'm learning a lot from. I've always had my eyes on startup in the healthcare slash, you know, medical field. And so it's really for me to identify that problem that I think I could quickly solve mm-hmm. um, before I launch out. I'm not sure what the future holds, but it's definitely an area that I'm, or phase, sorry, that I'm learning a lot from. And it could go both ways for me, to be honest with you, because I, you know, I see other women there with kids going all the way to being a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if I, if I, if there, if something comes across my plate that I'm like, wow, I'm definitely going to launch out and start that company. That's great. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to something more fun. You're obviously very busy uh, and even busier people, you know, you say you're on maternity leave, but I don't, that's not really a leave. It's you're working around the clock with the baby. <laughs> 24 hours. Of course. Uh, so are there, but I mean, what are things that get you energized? Do you have hobbies that you like to do or spend, you know, if you had the time, what would you do? There are different things that um, I really, really enjoy. Having the time, especially in the summer, going to botanical gardens. Mm. Um, I haven't been able to do that with COVID and having a baby, but flowers or plants. So I have an orchid and this is the Ooh. second year I have it and it's now blooming, so I'm excited. Oh. Um, do you give it one, like an ice cube? Is that how you keep it No, up? I don't do ice cube. The one I have is supposed to be like room temperature kind of tipping water, okay. a quarter cup of that per week. And so that's what I've been doing. That's a lot of water. Okay. I keep killing my orchids. I don't know if it's the ice cube. I'm like really bad at, pl- thank, you know, oh my God. I'm like, can I raise a baby? I can't raise plants, but oh, you are funny. You, have sure you, can. you have no a problem. orchid now. <laughs> and then the other set of things, I mean, traveling, I picked up a little bit of traveling before COVID too. And then like going to a really nice restaurant with um, mm. great ambiances. I'm really into the ambiance and just how <laughs> food is plated, you know, because you, you have a favorite it. restaurant that you've been to. Mm, favorite? There was one in there was one in Western Massachusetts, an mm-hmm. Italian one. It's really like the ambiance there. And they had like a saxophone player in the evenings. Like and the light was. Yeah. So that was lovely. Um, <laughs> I haven't been to many restaurants here in Jersey now that we moved. And then there's some charts that I also do. I do have a foundation with another friend from grad school at Georgia Tech. Oh, amazing. Um, Yeah, that focuses on helping uh, children who are in need from the Caribbean. And so there are different things that we focus on based on what's going on in the Caribbean. So, for example, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, they recently had a volcano and quite a bit of kids were displaced. So a few weeks ago, that was my major focus in getting them items um, to the island so that those kids will be able to return to school. It's called Azare Foundation. Azare, does it mean anything? Or is it just a combination of your names? <laughs> it's not a combination of our names. But um, the, our friend that um, is also from graduate school, she had gone on a trip. And so one of the little girls that she was helping, her name was Azare. And mm-hmm. so she decided to name it from her. But it also sounds like Azare of Hope. Oh, so we yeah. Stuck with Lovely. We, we stuck with the name. PH Dizzle.
Having fun with smart people who do cool things.